Come on over here, Tate. It's Rebel Human Radio time. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay, I'm here. Where's my gong mallet? Oh, she's got to do the gong. Now it's official. And (laughs) I have to hold the mic closer to my mouth this time. Yes, please. Because we found that during our very first episode, it was a little muffled. But we're ready to go today. Second episode yes. of Rebel Human Radio. What is our topic? What our are we doing? Topic, well, we, we have to stay on schedule. We this have 20 whole, minutes. Yes. This whole podcast is really us talking about what it means to be a rebel human. And yes, of course, you will have stories about us starting this company and our pivot and all the behind the scenes stuff and all of our personal stuff. But that's the overarching theme. Do you think we should begin by describing what Rebel Human is? Yeah. The, the organization or the entity? Yes. So Rebel Human is an educational organization. Now it's mostly online. Yes. <laughs> it was in but person. one day we will have in-person classes, Classes again. one-on-one development sessions and retreats. Mm-hmm. And we want to give people the tools to remain more connected whole healthy and we're really pushing against everyone says why rebel rebel because we didn't like where the wellness industry was going and how performative it was and instagrammable it was and it wasn't actually about making real change so we are pushing against the norms and as i say at the end of every class a rebel human is someone who has the strength and clarity of purpose to do the hard thing when it's the right thing. Yes, and we don't always know what the right thing to do for someone else is. And that is why you need to learn how to get quiet and pay attention and Mm -hmm. observe your inner life and your outer life so that you can decide what are your values Mm -hmm. and then act accordingly. Yes. And that's what so, we're here for. Yes. Yeah. So we and we're doing it through teaching primarily meditation, kundalini yoga, other mm-hmm. forms of yoga. Mm-hmm. But also peppering in neuro coaching and some some of that. Mm-hmm. And you'll be interviewing scientists, artists, musicians in your show. Right, right. As a sociologist, I'm interested in rebel human as a point of view, as an alternative way of being in this world. In sociology, we're always interested in norms, cultural norms. Um, Who gets to decide what a norm is? What happens when you break a norm? What are the consequences? And when we were trying to think of a name for our company, gosh, We were back and forth a bunch of times, but we (laughs) were influenced by the book, Rebel Talent, Talent. by Dr. Francesca Gino. Yes, yes. Wonderful book, wonderful concept. And it's this idea that sometimes you have to break the rules. Sometimes you have to push back against the norms in order to 
make change for yourself in the world constructive that is needed. change yeah so it's not just breaking the rules for the sake of breaking the rules it's not just being a troublemaker for you know the sake of being a troublemaker but it's really having this strength and clarity of purpose um to move in a direction that you have worked to know is the right direction for you and yeah. your family and the world around you. So let's talk about what that means then. What is this whole thing, this Instagramification of wellness and how are we different? What is this hard part? What do, what do we mean when we say do the hard thing when it's the right thing? Yeah, so I, you know me, I don't ever like to... Um, say this person is doing it wrong um, because everybody is at a different point in their own journey and they probably believe that what they're doing is useful <laughs> but um, I do think that we saw this trend of posting pretty pictures mm -hmm. that then um, were related back in some way to yogic philosophy or mm. yogic concepts yep. and we saw a big disconnect between how beautiful and complicated the pose was <laughs> and then what we were supposed to be um, learning from that in terms of the values or the philosophy because oftentimes it's not pretty the work that we need to do yes in order to become our full um, authentic selves it's messy mm -hmm. it's um, uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be performative correct right? so yes. what do we we came up with a excavative yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i was like is that a word yes and it is yes. you're excavating we're excavating and just think you're sweating you're dirty uh -huh. you're in the mud or the the dirt mm -hmm. you're dusty and you're digging and there are tears and it's not a pretty cry it's ugly cry <laughs> so to speak yeah and this like you said it it shouldn't be performative it actually can't be performative there's no way that you can dig into a meditation and, or dig into an emotion and fully be in it while also setting up your camera for a perfect shot and then taking another one and taking another one until you think you look good enough. You are not doing the work if you are also taking the picture. So there's that, you know, I think the other thing that really has frustrated me for many years about the Instagramification of yoga and this um, performative thing is that it has put up a barrier to entry for a lot of people. So even, you know, big magazines like Yoga Journal and um, that are trying to offer really helpful articles, and there are some really helpful ones in there, but there are also tons of pictures and even the cover of people who don't look like the average person or, you know, they're doing a pose that the average person can never even think about doing because they just weren't built that way. There are some things like our joints are put together differently and some people can bring their leg to the side and up to their ear, which you've done, <laughs> but some people's femurs actually connect in the front of their pelvis and they could never be able to do that particular position. So there's just this 
barrier to entry, people think, oh my gosh, yoga, I can't do that. Do you know how many times I've had people say, I oh, I'm not flexible enough for yoga. <laughs> and then I tell them, well, you don't start out flexible. You do yoga to become flexible. And really, that's not the whole point. It's actually the mental health piece and the meditation. There are some good things that happen, of course, with the physical piece. But so it's this barrier to entry that happens when it becomes so performative. Yes. And we want it to be for everyone. Yes. And so when we were thinking of putting our business out into the world, we have to. I mean, I suppose we don't have to, but we decided to have an Instagram account, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to feature rebel humans. Um, And so if you go to our Instagram account, I don't think we have one yoga pose on it. Nope. Um, We have people who are embodying this rebel human spirit of Mm -hmm. doing the hard thing when it's the right thing. Um, Yeah. Or doing it. And and sometimes it's not always hard. I'd say it could also just be the different thing. So it's not the norm. We do talk, talk about, talked about norms and sociology, you know, things that we do here to some people might look weird and it's only because it's different. It's not the norm. So we do the weird thing too. Yes, <laughs> when yes, it's the right thing. We do. We do. So that's part of the part that it's like not Instagrammable, the things that we practice in no, here. No, and we talked about that one of the reasons why perhaps Kundalini yoga hasn't taken off in the mainstream mm-hmm. is because it doesn't always look aspirational (laughs) when you're filming yourself doing a kriya yes um it's not like this beautiful handstand or this split it's sort of awkward movements making sort of interesting sounds doing interesting breath patterns and so it's hard to market it Mm -hmm. and that's something that we've struggled with because we know the power of it we've experienced it firsthand and we've seen it with our students, but you can't just let somebody jump right into the middle of a class or it will be very confusing. Confusing. Yes. Yeah. So that's why we um, highly recommend doing the this intro, intro uh, to Kundalini yoga video series that we produced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Yes, it hasn't become as popular partially, yes, because it looks, quote-unquote, weird, maybe, and you put it much more eloquently. But um, also, you know, it's just not as accessible. There aren't many places to go get this type of yoga. Right, right. So this was something I talked about on The Johnny Spot, that in order to get trained in this type of yoga, it takes a lot longer. There's not some 200 hour Mm -hmm. online Mm -hmm. certification program that if you wanted to open your own studio and be someone who um, trains others in kundalini yoga, it's it would take at least nine years. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on my way in doing some of those trainings, my level twos, but it will take me about nine years to get to the point where I could then teach other people to become teachers. And in the 
regular like hatha vinyasa ashtanga yoga community you can do take a 200 hour certification course and then go and open up your own training the next day so there's this you know watering down that's happening in the general yoga community and there's a lot of teachers being put out there who aren't you know don't even come close to having the knowledge that's necessary to teach a safe good effective class so what we're doing here yes there's like an expertise involved and mm -hmm. it's very specialized and mm -hmm. a care and a, we hold it very sacred so i think we should we talked a little bit about this hard thing <laughs> and we'll be digging into more of that over time but i think we should talk about our funny thing What's our, and oh, our yes. funny thing we want to share <laughs> and process because we're still, again, we're so busy and deep into this. We haven't had time to process this. And I was very crabby yesterday. <laughs> I'm less crabby today. <laughs> Your crabby is not so bad at all. I've got to say <laughs> it's a really good crabby. Um, so the funny thing. Yes. And we, every episode we're going to have a funny thing. We purchased these amazing bars called IQ bars, and we got it for our retreat. We gave it to our retreat ladies, and then we were going to sell them here. And also have and them we, for our next retreat. And have them for our next retreat. workshops and, and such. we bought this amazing cacao, this raw cacao that only has two ingredients, and it's just gorgeous, and how they make it is amazing. Their whole yes. company is amazing. And so we have these two products that we're ready In to sell. Closet. In the closet. In the closet. Yes. And I, I don't know if we have any more to sell. <laughs> because we've we, been eating it. We've <laughs> we're it's been our primary nutrition source yes. as we've made this pivot. Yes. So we're, we're like, hold up here. I'm <laughs> so hungry. We're always hungry. And then we go for a bar well, or we go for go chocolate. An IQ bar or some a box of chocolate. <laughs> So we're eating our stores. We're eating our eating stores. Eating through our stores. Yes. And I think that's comical. Yes. It's a good story. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, you know, we'll look back on it fondly. We'll have a very special relationship with IQ bars yep. and yep. good stuff cacao. Yes. Very good. That's the name of it. Good stuff cacao. So we have six minutes left. Did we want to do our show and tell portion? Yes. Okay. Let me go find... You're gonna, we are going to do show and tell every episode, and it could be anything. It could be a passage from a book. It could be a piece of art. It could be a, something new that we're excited about. I and know. I really like the idea of doing the show part uh, on uh -huh. a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to introduce this painting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm going to do a passage from a book. One of my, so I just went over to the bookshelf and grabbed one. This is called The Places That Scare You, A Guide to Fearlessness in Difficult Times by Pema Chodron. Oh, amazing. I was introduced to her in 99, 2000-ish. Um, a friend gave me her book, The is it The Power of Now or... That sounds I, I about think right. so. I think so. And really just one of those authors that changed the course of my life with her wow. perspective. Um so I'm just gonna open up somewhere. 
you why. Okay, well, I know that my show and tell on our next episode will be a new bowl, a new crystal bowl, because there are three huge boxes sitting five feet from me of brand new crystal singing balls that we will be bringing in for all of you to hear. And I am really excited. It's like Christmas. It's like a candy store for a kid. I cannot wait to open up those bowls. They're just sitting there all wrapped up, and we're waiting to get a bookshelf set up. That's what I'll be doing next, a big glass bookshelf to store all the crystal balls. So it's very exciting just to be sitting there looking at the boxes, but I haven't opened them yet. And we will have these bowls not only during our classes, during the sound baths, during all the shavasanas, you know I play the crystal bowls, and we have these special mics that pick them up so beautifully. Um, But if you ever hear a bowl that really resonates with you, they're available to you. So I'm really excited to be expanding our library here, but it will be an ever-changing library because you may want to take one of them home. Oh, Tate is ready with her passage. Well, I just flipped to something that I underlined probably seven years ago <laughs> when I first read this book. Um, so the passage is, uh, she's talking about training in meditation. And she writes, when <clears throat> we begin to train, we see that we've been pretty ignorant about what we're doing. First, we see that we are rarely able to relax into the present moment. Second, we see that we've fabricated all kinds of strategies to avoid staying present, particularly when we're afraid that whatever's happening will hurt. We also see our strong belief that if only we could do everything right, we'd be able to find a safe, comfortable, and secure place to spend the rest of our lives. Mm. That packed a lot in a short paragraph. So I, you know, I love math (laughs) and numbers Mm -hmm. and data Mm -hmm. and statistics. Um, So I lived for a long portion of my life thinking that if I could just get the equation right, that would guarantee me safety and security Mm. and happiness um, and that I could somehow avoid the pain and the suffering Um, and I could never get that equation right and Mm. it was incredibly frustrating until I woke up to the reality that life is this yin yang light dark and that if you're constantly running away and trying to hide from the shadow parts, mm-hmm. um, the sad parts, that that is where the suffering <laughs> really comes from. Um, so that is a strong old idea in my, in my um, way of thinking that if I can just figure out the right order or the right combination, that I can avoid any sort of pain for myself and the people that I love. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's really scary to be open to 
feeling the feelings, feeling the pain, looking at the old stuff. Yeah, this practice of meditation is like cleaning out the old closet, the junk closet. And it's not a fun project all the time. It can be drudgery. Yeah. There's a passage in um, a book that I love, and it 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 says, um, we trudge the road of happy destiny. <laughs> and when I first read it, I thought it said we trudge the road to happy destiny. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to work really, 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 really hard. And then our reward will be this happy destiny. But what it says is we trudge the road of happy destiny. We're in our happy mm-hmm. destiny right now. And it is also a trudge. <laughs> and that's just how it is. And that's okay. And the more you can surrender to that, at least for me, um, the more I can experience the joy and the love and the connection and the hope. And have you really notice and we've got to wrap up but do you really notice a big shift once you've surrendered to that a shift in your happiness yes I would say and we can probably do a whole episode on surrender right Mm -hmm. because you first hear that word and you're like oh gosh absolutely not that has such a negative Mm -hmm. connotation um but for me all of my serenity has come through surrendering lovely Lovely. Thank you for sharing your book. You're welcome. I'll go put it back on the bookshelf. <laughs> okay, well, let's sign off first. What are we going to sing today? I think we Slightly off do. key. <laughs> let's, oh, let's get in our singing positions. <laughs> Microphones between the knees. Should we do the end of our Be the Wave song? Sure. That we wrote on retreat? Yes. <laughs> With our singer songwriter, Jess Godwin. Mm amazing so it's good. the song that opens up all of our classes but we'll just do the very last part okay okay here we go oh we're snapping sure. we're, snapping. we're, we're always snap. snapping <laughs> wahe guru wahe guru be the wave wahe guru wahe guru be the wave. Take care, guys. Be well. We will hear from you soon.